Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening now. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com SLM now. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Perpetually Correct Football Edition AFC Preview Day. It is a big time for football to be starting here. Not too long. I am joined by JB and Kyle Beats. What's going on, boys? Going on, J-Mac. Kyle, it's great to be in the studio. And Kyle's already telling us he's in a fantasy football draft. I, I can't even believe he's getting roped in this early in the year. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm playing with some uh, some pretty serious guys who I guess think they know their stuff that we can draft after one preseason game and feel comfortable with these rosters, knowing that we have two to three injuries just lingering around. It's definitely bold. You're one injury away from losing Aaron Rodgers or some shit like that. I mean, that's always how it goes. Exactly, and I am uh, I am not a wealthy man by any imagination, but it's one of the bigger leagues, so I was a little a uh, little surprised to see that kind of early draft. Normally, we're going, you know end of the month fourth you know after four or five play um preseason games so this will be interesting to see i got christian mccaffrey out of it the, out of it so at the end of the day i'm not mad yeah jb what's J-Mac. what's your like optimal time for like a draft like what's acceptable uh I, th- I think he was right on the head i mean between that third and fourth week yep i mean it always seems to end it seems like everyone wants to do it uh labor day weekend and that, that's always tough. You got to be kind of that first to the the punch there to get that scheduled out. Because I feel like every draft I'm in right now wants to do it that weekend. And you just, I want to do other things than fantasy football drafts. I'm yeah, 100% I got with three you. three drafts in the same day somehow. So I'm in five leagues this year, which is a – I told my fiance I'd make, you know, make a commitment to be in less leagues this year. I was in seven last year, so that Heavens. was a pretty easy bar to beat. But I'm in five this year. Mercy. I, I'm in three, and that is way, way too many, to be honest with you. Like, I, I just like to be able to – and JB can kind of, like um, – you can kind of vouch for me in this way. Like, I love to be able to, like, set it, keep one eye on a certain amount of players and just, like, ride with that. I just – there's so much cross-confusion going on and all that. It just – it's too much for me to handle. And I'm already a nervous wreck as it is, you know, watching football all day as it is. Well, well me, Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Well, you just turn into probably what Kyle had last year. You ha- see a guy score and you cheer for him in one league and then you're facing him in the other. league. Yes. God damn it. You're right. Playing against yourself constantly. So and you're, you're never fully aware of what the other player has. You know who you have. So what right. strategy ends up being, I'm going to load up on like, I'm going to get this guy in like four leagues. I'm just going to get a bunch of shares in one guy. That guy usually blows his ACL. is the problem. So almost always work out. You're, you're bound to find a David Johnson in there anyway, right? Correct. And yeah. well, last year I had Todd Gurley in four out of seven Jeez. leagues and one none. So that tells you how good of a player I am. Fair. Well, <laughs> this podcast is going to be so we've kind of covered all sports up to this point. That's kind of how it's gone. Uh, I mean, whenever we started, we were hitting like NBA, NHL playoffs all at the same time. We had well, when I, I think when we very first started doing test episodes, we had like um, we had like 
the tournament going on, like the actual NCAA tournament. And so we, we've kind of been going through a lot of different sports, but like Jason and I had a football show last year and we loved it. It was between the hashes. This is going to kind of take place of that. And I pretty, pretty like for the most part going forward, it's going to be a lot of football talk. Is that pretty fair, Jason? That, that is spot on. It's going to be football heavy. You know, we got a lot of folks here at SLM who do love football. We're going to have folks filtering in and out as well to get you guys maximum content. So we're excited and, the, the preview is definitely going to get you guys ready for the fantasy football and uh, maybe some outside activity as well. Yeah. And so that's why we brought Kyle on today. Dude, so you're more, I, so you're on the basketball show, but you're actually more of a football guy. Am I right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I'm born and raised more of a football guy. Uh, I love the NBA and the trajectory of the league, but at the end of the day, uh, I, I never get excited for anything like I do football season, you sure. know, in August, early September. Uh, so NFL is my passion. I, I follow a lot of college football as well. So, you know, when you offered to even come on and do the show, it was a no-brainer because this is my favorite time of the year. So I'm stoked to uh, to dive into it and give you some surprises in the AFC, maybe talk a little shit about the Patriots. But it's going to be a lot of fun along, along the way. It's, uh, it's a, It really works well, too, because you got the, you know, really one day a week, even though we got Thursdays and Mondays, one day a week where we can really digest that, what happened and then come in and talk about it and produce some good content. No, no doubt. Like I love that Jason and I do this every year where like, we really just sit back on Sunday, put a bunch of games on and just dominate Twitter all day long and just talk to people and have conversation about football. And it really is my favorite time of the year as well. And, and I love baseball and I, but I love when we're getting towards October, we got playoffs happening, right? just lots of great stuff coming up. And uh, like so, I'm pretty much off most of August because I'm gonna like be hoofing it from like September all the way to February, and so. I, but like, even at the end of the day, I had to come do football predictions. I couldn't be Absolutely. away from this. We we need to know what you think about. So when you come back from your mental hiatus, which you owe to yourself, um, we can tell you about how bad your predictions were. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. All right. So we're, what we're gonna do today? We're gonna go through a couple big headline things that are going on. A couple big things in the NFL, and then we're gonna talk predictions so jason what's first well i think first we touched on probably the biggest headline antonio brown and what's take place in oakland uh or soon to be vegas and i think everyone in pittsburgh's laughing right now because it was reported he went on sort of a hiatus uh not reporting to camp or not being around the team at all one because of his foot injury because he stepped into one of those freeze tanks without the correct footing and then second, because he couldn't play with his old Steelers helmet that he tried to sneak in, have repainted as an Oakland Raiders helmet, and they caught him. That's so, the most bizarre part of this story is the fact that he repainted it himself. Repainted it. I mean, so I'll, I'll let you guys kind of weigh in first, but for the folks who've maybe been out of the loop the past couple of weeks, Brown's been missing. His feet were all over Twitter for a couple of days just looking – all funky and now he's refusing to use the new safety safer helmets so uh i don't know who wants to take that first but there's a lot lot to break down there there's a a lot to digest and i'm going to dive into this by saying so i've actually done uh cryotherapy it's something i've been a big uh believer in that's been around for probably eight or nine years i've done it over the last several years but the foot thing just doesn't make sense to me because they're so you go into this place and you're in this freezing tank that's like 280 degrees 
below Fahrenheit. So you can be in there two to three minutes and it's mm -hmm. supposed to like speed up your metabolism, help with recovery. I'm sure that's why he was doing it. But they're so paranoid about your foot protection. They want to make sure your feet are covered at all times. And that's just been so evident. And the fact that like a million dollar athlete can be in a facility where they don't mention that to him, it just blows my mind. Something seems odd. It seems like he wasn't supposed to be doing whatever he was doing. Or it's like he just didn't give a shit or wasn't listening, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's strange to me, but I, I bought that. Like, I thought he was being a little bit of a, probably a diva. I watched the first episode of Hard Knocks. I mean, he's out there with the team at least, and he, he, he's, you know, at least trying to compete. The helmet thing is a totally separate animal where it's just like, Jesus, man, fuck this guy. You know, I get yeah. a little tired of Antonio Brown. I love his, I love him on the field, but at a certain point, you just got to say, where, as a 30, 31 year old receiver now, is where's, where do you put up with it? Where do you draw the line for his value as far as what he brings on the, on the field? Well, <laughs> so it's complicated, right? Because this is nothing new. It's true. This is the same exact shit he was doing in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's laughing. They're like, Le'Veon and Antonio, you guys keep you can keep those guys with those shenanigans. At least Le'Veon's keeping his mouth shut for the most part. But this has been it's ludicrous. It's true, and he's not 260 pounds anymore. Right. Yeah, the so you're right about the feet thing. Incredibly strange. But I just, like, I mean, he's threatening to retire and everything. I was just look the first, so you know, you guys know me. It's always follow the money first whenever I start looking at something like sure. this, right? He signed his Fair. extension, a three-year deal worth $50 million, $30 million of it guaranteed. $30 million. So he's walking out the door no matter what happens here. No matter what happens. Because, like, he doesn't have to play. The Raiders were so stupid to give him that kind of contract. And this is exactly what you're looking at here. What do you think, Jason? Well, yeah, I'm happy to see him kind of go crazy because it gets everyone off Mike Tomlin and the Steelers back. True. You know, I think right. Ben Roethlisberger right. gets a really bad rap. You know, he's a hard, hard-nosed leader, which you sort of need. And Mike Tomlin's a no-nonsense coach. And people, for whatever reason, wanted to blame Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin for A.B. and him departing. So now we can all go, all right, it's not Pittsburgh. It's right. not the storage franchise. This is probably more <laughs> directly correlated with someone who is absolutely, you know, insane. He needs to be checked out. But to your point, the money, I don't know why they handed it to him. You know, Oakland doesn't make sense. Gruden wants to build one way. Mike Mayock wants to build another way. Gruden wants to get these, you know, and I'll take a step back. Going into last year, Oakland Raiders had the oldest roster by the average age. And that's what Gruden wanted to do. Now Mike Mayock comes in, wants to trade everyone, wants to get super young, but then you got Gruden trying to bring in guys like A.B. who are older. So they got to figure this out. If they're going young, if they're going old, they got to get on the same page because otherwise it's going to continue to be this circus. But uh, the people who are most happy about this are HBO because this is going to be golden elevator. <laughs> oh, yeah. On their season really you almost uh, got to wonder about that aspect of it too, though. I mean, the, the Raiders are looking to make – I don't know. They're not intentionally making idiots out of themselves. And you both know that I. there's nothing more than I that I love than a team that just makes an absolute fool out of itself. Right. I was about to draw a parallel to yeah. some of these NBA teams Dude. you rag on of what the Raiders are doing I right fucking now. love it in baseball, too. I fucking love seeing a team shoot them in, themselves in the foot for no reason because it's a slow day. I fucking love that. But, like, you got to think about the entertainment factor here. And, like, they are moving to Vegas. There's a lot of, like you almost have to kind of stir up a national fan base because you're playing in a place where people are going to... I mean, ultimately, people are still going to support them, but those people are probably dumb for doing so. 
And but I mean that is what it is. You make those choices as a fan, right? But like at the end of the day, they're moving and they need pomp and circumstance. There's only one way you can get it. I mean that's that's the only way like plausible explanation for what's happening here, other than the fact that this guy's just a fucking asshole. Yeah, and I think that is part of it. I mean, I think AB has proven that his entire career. And as much as I love his on-field production, especially being like a 5'10", 185-pound guy that really gets it done with route running and great footwork and great hands, it's not worth it. He's just not worth the issue, and you should never guarantee him $30 million, as you indicated, when you have guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones who take care of their business in a quiet manner and wouldn't just wouldn't put – put a team through this type of stuff. But Jason hit the nail on the head when, you know, he said, if the if the Steelers can't handle this, that's a historic franchise. They do things the right way. They are the the spurs of the NFL. They're a top three to four ran organization. What makes you think that Oakland is going to be able to do anything better? I mean, we're talking about the here who've been like the Knicks for the last 20 years. They haven't done anything right. They took Darius Hayward Bay and seventh overall pick. I mean, we're talking about a team we just cannot trust to do the right thing. And, you know, this is, it's, it's only going to go downhill. I, I mean, before any of this happened, like healthy AB, I'm thinking the Raiders are like a six and 10 team this year anyways. But so they, I guess, like, I, I guess the, the Antonio Brown thing doesn't really affect them that much. It's more, it's just the bigger story is what does it mean for his future in the NFL? Because I do think on, a good team if he just got his act together could really make a huge difference obviously let's just zoom out for a second though look at what the Raiders were building three or four years ago when things were really looking up for them and then they fired Jack Del Rio which that eh, however you want to look at that I I don't I mean I love the guy simply because he put a stump with an axe in the middle of the locker room when he was in Jacksonville and someone cut their leg open on it like that that alone is an unbelievable coaching move but like he was it seemed like they were headed somewhere right and all then you bring in Gruden you bring in Mayock which I get that but you didn't really bring them in on the same page you hired Gruden first and gave him all kinds of guaranteed money and then brought in Mike Mayock after that there's just a lot of bad moves from the top right out of the gate here Mayock and Gruden have to be on the same page Jason's had it before you have to those are two good football minds they just have to be wanting to accomplish the same thing and Derek Carr needs consistency and a play caller and he needs weapons like Amari Cooper. And right now they don't have they haven't had consistent offensive coordinator play calling and they haven't had a lot of great weapons around him. Not at all. Yeah, and I think anytime you look is usually careers go from, you know, playing to coaching to TV. I haven't seen anyone in the past, and if you guys have an example, that's great, where he went from TV to coaching. Uh, you know, Mike Mayock spent a long time on the NFL network doing the draft coverage, doing that, mm-hmm. you know, not taking away from his ability to scout or, you know, look at players tape, sure. but it's very different running an organization top to bottom. Right. And right. so I think that's where we're seeing the difference. And then you got Gruden who's went to the coaching to TV back to coaching. I mean, there's just adjustments in there, which th- they do have to make. And yeah, when you move a uh, multi-time pro bowlers, 24 years old and Omari Cooper, and uh, probably one of the best defensive players in Khalil Mack. I'm just not sure where you think your team's suddenly going to get better, even with yeah. draft picks. Right. Yeah, and I am all about – so, it, you know, bring this full circle with me being on, on the break. With NBA, I'm all about paying the best players. Pay those guys and build the roster out. In the NFL, guys are just more dispensable. There's more roster spots. I'm usually not for the big contracts. But before it happened and last year just solidified it, I thought the Khalil Mack one was crazy because I thought he was the best – player in the league and the best defensive player in the league 
Yeah, and I'm with you. I've always said my thoughts with the NFL, because to your point, a lot of roster spots, but pay the guys that you can't go get in free agency. You can get a running back. You can get a tight end. You can fill in a guard. But you can't find an elite line. Ray Lewis was never a free agent type of guy. Right, you know, right. Eric Weddle spent his best years. These safeties, these yeah. linebackers, you know, these left tackles, quarterbacks, these are guys that just don't become available in free Correct. agency. And same with top wide receivers. They don't, you know, Antonio Brown, you can debate that, but these guys just don't walk off the block and in, in into your arms without getting overpaid to some degree. So right. I don't understand their standpoint of trading guys who just don't become available typically in free agency. So it's just a total mess and I can't wait for more episodes. Well, and I just, I like, I've been a proponent of this for a long time. Kyle, I feel very similar to you where like in the NBA, you do pay the best guys, but in the NFL, whenever things are more dispensable, like just contracts like the Des Bryant contract are never worth it. They're just not, there's very few of them that actually work out. Like unless you can get like a Cleo Mack, which is a generational talent. We're going to talk about Zeke in a little bit. Although I we're about to talk Zeke, about him Zeke. right now because this is a perfect tie. He's tie-in. my favorite player in the league. Yeah. Man. Zeke, I love Zeke. I'm a Cowboys fan. I think he's the best player on our team. I think he's the best running back, second best at worst running back in the league. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm debating if they should really give him this contract uh, because I don't think you can replace Zeke in free agency or the draft, but I, can, I think you can get 85 to 90% of his production where going back to the Cleo Mack, deal as as kind of a marker i don't think i think you can get maybe 65 to 70 percent of that production i think that's harder to make up okay um, yeah i mean that makes so sense def- i was this whole time knowing zeke was going to have a holdout situation most likely although i thought it was going to come next year of course not two years left but i like well you know he's the top four pick so his rookie deal is pretty good maybe we'll just ride that out five years and then franchise tag him back to back years so he gets huge money those last two years. We get him for seven years. See ya. You're, you're pretty much worthless. And he's he called bullshit on that, basically, and is is holding out. And I get where he's coming from, but I'm actually probably less pro-Zeke in this than most Cowboys fans. Like, I think he should get his, but I think he should work with Jerry um, to to get less guaranteed money because the, the deals like the Gurley deals, they're just not worth it, and that's where he knows his value is. Jason, where is yeah. your head at on this before I dive into this? Because I'm opinionated. Yeah, I think with the Zeke deal, to what Kyle's point, I'm not a fan of, you know, protesting or sitting out two years before your deal's up. It's crazy. Um, I just think it's pretty simple. You know, you sign the contract, you're going to get paid. He knows he's going to get paid. But, the, you know, the way he's acted with this organization, and Jerry's always taking care of his guys. There, there's not anyone that he's brought in that he's made promises to his family. He takes care of those guys. I mean, ask Emmett. You go list down the line. He'll take care of it. Yeah. Now – where I think the NFL can really fix this, and I'm curious on your guys' thoughts, is taking kind of a page out of the MLB playbook and offering an arbitration type of situation. And, you know, outside of the first round, first round is the only round where you get guaranteed five years. You get the four-year contract with the option in the fifth year. So that's why you see a lot of teams trade up to the back end of the first round if they want a quarterback or a guy like that where you want a guaranteed locked in those five years. Mm-hmm. Where I think with this situation, you just start offering arbitration after two years in the NFL, no matter what contract you're on, you know, a seventh rounder undrafted. Because, yeah, a lot of these guys outperform, and a lot of them underperform. So at that point, it kind of helps out both sides. If you got a guy after two years, a big bust, great. You can move on. You can cut him just like baseball can in arbitration, and it doesn't count against your salary cap at all. 
but then it offers guys like Zeke and overperformers the ability to earn additional income and their value after proving it after a two to three year period. So I think it's maybe a way to really, you know, bring in that third party in the arbitration phase, but then also keep everyone happy and prevent these holdouts. Cause this is even in the NBA who seems like you get max contracts left and right, no matter what, but to prevent these holdouts from continuing, I think they have to look at this because no other sport necessarily has this issue. What sport has someone two years left in their contract holding out? No one. Yeah. So first of all, like, I think it's ridiculous that he's doing this and like, I get where he's coming from, but like, uh, I'm a simple man, as you guys would agree. And when I sign my name on a contract, I make a contract happen and I fulfill that contract. That's how this works. And I don't just decide to dig my heels and say, oh, well, you know, we agreed on something, but now I want more because it's not beneficial for me. You work that contract out and then you negotiate. And what his where he's coming from ultimately is that running backs are not that valuable at the end of the day, even top running backs like him. I'd make the argument that you shouldn't have even taken him in where they did in the first place. But that's yeah. that's another story for another day. But I just think that he has very little leverage at the end of the day other than holding his team fucking hostage. And that right. is something that is very dangerous for the sport. And it's very dangerous for any kind of chemistry reasons, that's, just in general. That's my main. Yeah, that's that should be a concern. Let's just, let's assume we get this worked out, which in some way, shape, or form, I'm still staying optimistic that we will. What is this going to do to the locker room when they walk when he walks in there? Is there going to be positive between him and the team? I mean, it seems like there almost has to be a little bit, but that's where it's, I guess it's going to come down to how good of a leader is Dak and I know him and Dak are boys so maybe that works in his favor and I do think Dak has a hold of that that locker room but you know I'm a you know Justin I'm a huge LeBron fan and LeBron's held his team hostage several years in a row and it's created chemistry issues like these are facts this these are yes they're professional athletes but they're human beings at the end of the day too that may act emotionally if they don't like how another guy's acting so it's just it's not it's an unfortunate situation because I think if Zeke signed I think Cowboys have a really good chance to win 10 or 11 games this year if they stay healthy. And without Zeke, I mean, I don't even want to think about what our season is going to look like. I was yeah. watching the preseason game the other night. It was ugly. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, or last night, and it was just – it was not pretty as far as who we have to replace him. To Jason's point, because I want to answer your question ultimately, def- there definitely needs to be something done about this issue from a fundamental level. And we'll, so we'll get back to the, the whole holdout portion of it in a second. But on a fundamental level, something definitely has to happen here. And arbitration would be a good way to handle it. The only thing, like, only conflicting thing I see, and I would just have to look more into, like, the specifics of how they both work, is having the franchise tag in conjunction with arbitration. Because right. that, yeah. see, well, and, and so there's... You have to work that out. Yeah, you'd it, have to it, figure it, out how to fix it. Of sense though that Jason's is the first person I've heard mention that. There's, I've heard the NBA comparisons, but the MLB I think would work better. Yeah, there's some sort of median there that you have to to tweak with the actual franchise tag. But I like that idea a lot. I'm gonna parse over that a little bit. And I'll get get back to yeah, you on my it, final thoughts. It, but I like it. And just some clarity there. I mean, the franchise tag would come into effect because they'd still be technically under contract. It's just an arbitration year, right? So that right. wouldn't wouldn't come into play on you know uh, an ill effect of the situation. But and, and yeah, I mean the Cowboys just got to figure this out with Zeke and the NFL as a whole because it's going to continue to derail. You know, to your guys' point, the locker room and you know I looked back. If you really 
circle through everyone that's held out a year plus, it hasn't worked out well no, for no. their careers. No, it no one's come through and you know returned to the same level. You can't just skip out on a year of football, come back in shape and performing. So I, I really look at it as they got to either get it done now or you're cutting bait with them because I don't want him back if he's going to sit out a whole year. Yeah, they, they'd move on, but you have to move on. They'd be smart to like that. My whole point is we were talking about the 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 nuking the locker room thing. You don't see shit like that happening with the Patriots. You don't like winning organizations don't go through shit That's where true. one guy is bigger than the locker room. That cannot happen. And that happens all the fucking time with Dallas. That's its biggest issue. It's always been their biggest issue. And like they, with, shoot, their, uh, they shoot themselves in the foot because Jerry takes care of his guys, which you got to admire the loyalty there. I don't hate that necessarily, but like. He's enabled Zeke's behavior since he's been here. He's enabled everything leading up to this. So I don't really feel bad for the team in that sense. No, but the, and they got to take into consideration too his off the field actions. Not like he. There's just a lot of noise and a lot of. It's a lot of little things that have accumulated to a bigger thing. Yeah, and I'm almost at a point Correct. where I agree with you guys. Where you know you don't want to move on. He's a generational talent, but it's also you're looking to pay Dak thirty mil, him be the franchise <laughs> lockup. Uh, you know, Amari Cooper long term. Right. I like Michael Gallup going into this year. Where yes, you know, you brought in Tony Pollard. You know, early in the draft. You know, th- this is where you got to really build your team and go. Hey one guy's not worth ruining this and we're not going to pay him and reward him for bad behavior. It just goes back to, you don't give a kid a cookie for crying because he wants right. a cookie. I mean, you don't <laughs> want to simplify it, but at some point it it's is not like worth that, this though. That's exactly and what it is. I, I'm with you a hundred percent on Bill. I'm a, if this deal doesn't get done, do I want Zeke on our team? Yes. I think he's naturally an unbelievable player, but if it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world because I like the upside of Michael Gallup. I like the upside of some of our young secondary players and D linemen and, this gives us money, potential money down the road to use on bigger contracts. So, you know, I think you can have a recipe where Dak has a lot of good receivers around him, a good offensive line, whoever at running back, and we still have a top 10, top eight defense. I, I still think that's a successful recipe. Makes you a little um, one-dimensional, but I, I get what you're saying. It, it does make you a little one-dimensional, but you can find you can find gems in the draft. I mean, yeah. I mean, you look at like running backs like Kareem Hunt, who, you know, take off the off field stuff last year is probably a top five back. He's a third round draft pick. I mean, you can right. find guys in the third round that are good running backs. Right. No. So it's it, that whole thing is really interesting. Do you guys, so ultimately two questions for each of you then, but we'll wrap this one up. So what would, what year or what years and dollars would you be comfortable with? Number one. And number two, does this get done by the beginning of the season? I'll let you take it, Jason. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable if he wants. If you're saying a contract including the next, the next two that he's already under, I'd give him a five year, probably around fifty guaranteed. You're looking probably at eighteen to twenty a year annually. You know, I'm comfortable in that range. I, I mean, he's still, I think, only twenty three or twenty four years old. It's a pretty Correct. young kid. We're not, we're not talking about a guy who's, you know, Le'Veon Bell where he's twenty seven at that point in his career. So if you're telling me I'm gonna lock him up till he's 27 years old the guaranteed money runs out at 26 mm-hmm. i mean I'm, I'm comfortable with that i know what he means to this team i think it's worth it and i think tony pollard you know will compliment him very well onto the backfield and catching so i think you drafted a player knowing how he can compliment zeke and i, I think he will get done no one you know, all these people especially josina anderson saying that she has any inside <laughs> scoop on a zeke I'm tired of that. is wrong I, i'm gonna just tell you it's wrong being in dallas 
knowing the inside sources, knowing the people who report things correctly, she is not it. Yeah. And um, nothing against her or she ESPN. Stinks out loud. Terrible they are, but that's yeah. not. She has no idea. She's bad. Agreed. Agreed. So, and you do think it gets done before the beginning of the season? I do. I think okay. it. I think it gets done. I think they'll get a contract done. He'll be back and ready to go. But I, I'm not necessarily too worried about it. But uh, it will get done in a in an order that it needs to. So three for 50 ultimately was what it comes Bas- down to. Basically, that's how I look at it. I'd say, you know, give him another three years on, you know, but that would right. continue Including, the fourth and fifth year. There's already in yeah. 50, 55 guaranteed. Let's move on down the line. That's all he's, he's looking for guaranteed money over these final two years of his sure. contract. Sure he is. He wants, what he is looking to do is hit free agency at the same time Le'Veon Bell did, which is kind of still in your prime, that 26 to 27 right. year old right. range. That's what he's hoping to do is double up on two good contracts, which is smart. I get it. Yep. It, it is smart. And I understand the leverage portion of it. I just hate it because it's my team. I think I'm with Jason. This deal has to get done. I think Jerry wants to win a Super Bowl. I think there's too much to lose to let him kind of win this, this shoot, you know, shootout or stare down. So he's, he's going to get three. This is his base this year. He has a bonus. He's going to get about seven, nine this year towards a cap hit. Next year, he's getting nine million. I would say I would be comfortable giving him three more years um i'm not i want to go all the way to 50 though i'd probably say like in the, in the 40 range and guaranteeing him maybe 40 okay. maybe 45 i wouldn't go quite as high as jason did but i think jason's right on the number of what it's going to take to get it done i think it's going to take a little bit more than i think Gurley got 45 million 45 48 something like that yes yeah. 61 okay. total 45 guaranteed i think he's going to want a little more than that he is younger he's you know just turned 24 and do like about Zeke where I think he can play till 29 or 30 even though he has the super aggressive running style is when you watch Zeke and as a for you know as a big football guy this is huge he always falls forwards he's a great center of gravity he doesn't fall backwards a lot so I don't I don't see his injuries coming from or the I don't see him his career being derailed by injury just his explosion and speed stopping or you know coming to a halt that's how I see his career ending so I would be comfortable at five years, just a little lower than Jason. Either way, though, whatever it takes, whatever that number is, Jerry's going to get it done. Okay. All right. We'll see, I guess. Uh, my take on this. And then we'll go nine and seven again. Yeah. My take on this is I don't sign. I don't, I don't give in. I would never give in to that. I'd send a, a message to the rest of the team that I'm not choosing Jerry, one guy. Yeah. I'm choosing I'm not choosing one guy over the rest of you. That's a more powerful message than just trying to get a deal done so you can try to go 9 and 7. It is. I agree with that, but Jerry, Jerry Jones is also oh, yeah. like 7 to 77 and dying to win another Super Bowl. Right. So, won't work. Just saying, won't work. Okay. Uh, so the other big news that happened which will lead us into the the prediction stuff and and we we're going to go division by division. Well, Jason yeah, will well, lead let, us through. Let's Let's touch on the AFC East here, and we well, kind of loop in. And I was going to say the Brady thing. Yeah, so perfect. Yeah, perfect. so we're going to go through these four divisions, the AFC East to start, obviously, you know, three on the lower tier of that. But, you know, J-Mac, you know, you're very in tune, a lot of connections there in the New England area. Give us a quick breakdown on what's gone on, with, you know, with the Brady situations, what's the positives, you know, what, what's happened there. Yeah, so real quick before I start that, let's take a quick break and, and we'll do an ad read real fast and hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. 
Just go to audibletrial.com slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and start listening now. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash SLM. All right. So let's go ahead and dive into this. Really, from a Patriot standpoint, I'm not concerned about this division, even in the least bit. I mean, the Bills should look up a little bit, but I mean, there have been so many times where I've heard that same shit and gone back, gone in there and blown the doors off by 40 every time. So like, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I understand what the Bills are trying to build. I don't think they're going to be successful at it. And I, that's the only team I can think of in this division or that when I look at this division that even remotely ruffles any feathers for the Patriots. I well, mean, I'll say on the there? Bills front, I, I do think they're trending up a little bit. Uh, obviously, they're not in a situation where they're going to be contending with the Patriots, but one of the more quieter moves, and I always think the offensive line's a quiet move, Mitch Morse came over from Kansas City. Um, Patrick Mahomes, if you did some reading, wasn't really excited <laughs> about losing him on the offensive line, and I think any time with a young quarterback bringing in a veteran, well-established center is always a, a big get. I like Cody Ford and right tackle big guy. I just think that overall the offensive line did a lot of improving. Uh, they, they do have some weapons. We'll see if Zah Jones can continue to develop. But, uh, you know, Devin Singletary coming in at running back from Florida Atlantic, uh, along with Frank Gore and LaShawn McCoy, I would imagine one of those two, most likely Frank Gore, just due to cap space, will get cut. Um, but I, I do like Josh Allen in this game. I mean, he's a big, big guy who can run the ball. In Buffalo, that's what they're going to do. They're going to establish that run game. And I think if they can stay ahead of the sticks, I mean, it sounds easier than done, but with the defense that is improving, you know, they brought in Ed Oliver, you know, a kid out of Houston that a lot of folks had high on their draft board that dropped because of what some folks considered size. And uh, Aaron Donald's not a big guy either, man. He's not. And, you know, Tredavious White, you know, terrific corner second year now. I mean, almost a shutdown type of guy. And J-Mac, you know, you can certainly relate in this division having shut down corners like the Patriots have had is huge yeah. in, in what you can do. So I do like the direction that we're seeing Buffalo go in. I don't think they're going to compete, obviously, with the Patriots, but a team that should be very competitive throughout the year. Vegas yeah, has, I think they have a good chance to be a 500 team. Vegas I, has I, them I, at seven wins. Do you take over that? I would not touch it. I would not touch it. I think that's right where it should be. If gun to my head, mm, man. Yeah, I'd probably go over only because you get to play the Jets and the Dolphins times. True. Right. True. Okay. So, All I, good I, I like a lot of what of what Jason said there because at the end of the day, man, people just don't look at offensive line. It's not sexy. We don't know these guys. It's, you know, we barely know the big name uh, skill position players, but offensive line makes a huge difference, especially for a young rookie quarterback who's struggling with accuracy, needs a little more time in the pocket. I have no doubts about Josh Allen being NFL quarterback as far as size, as far as I, I think he's a leader. I think he's going to be an outspoken guy. He can run the ball. I do worry about the accuracy, but they're trying to put weapons around him. They got him Beasley in the slot. They got John Brown um, as kind of a deep threat for him. So I, I like what they're doing. I like what they're building. But, I mean, yeah, they're going to be in that six to eight win range, I think. Um, they're not going to be able to with, with – New England at all, but Ed Oliver could be a bold prediction. I'm not saying he's going to be Aaron Donald, but he's that type of player where he's only, you know, 275, 280, but it doesn't matter if you're strong as a 300 pound guy, have the feet and the great just 
instinct to know how to get to the ball, you're gonna make you're gonna make money in this league. And I think Ed Oliver was a great for them because I think they got him at like eight or nine. When yeah. he might at the end of this be the best defensive player in this draft. He may very well be. He's really damn good. Um, I'll give you guys a couple of notes on the Patriots that I've taken, just having watched a little bit of preseason and all that so far. Um, the Brady contract is very interesting. They basically paid him more money is how this ended up working out. It's very convenient that he put his house up for sale and everybody is just freaking Yeah, everybody's just freaking out putting those pieces together. But I mean, Kawhi was he bought a house in Toronto right before he signed with the Clippers. So I mean, I you know, I don't think that really means shit anymore. We've seen that a million times not really mean anything. And right. And so like my point is like I think that there's a chance here that we're looking at Brady being on that last go round, but not saying anything because that would just dominate the NFL storylines all year. That's all that would happen. Like that's all people would talk about. And the Patriots are smarter than that. They're not right. going to have like what Dwayne Wade did this year in, in the NBA and just did a jersey swap and just made a documentary out of it while its team went 500. The right. Patriots aren't going to put up with that. They don't want that kind of those kind of shenanigans surrounding the season because they still think they can compete for a Super Bowl, which they can. You know, breaking yeah. down. Everything, you know, they stay healthy. They absolutely can. The, uh, the curious part about it is, though, that they can't. So coming out of camp, they're going to carry Brady, Brian Hoyer, and mm-hmm. possibly Jarrett Stidham. Correct. And I don't think they're going to carry three. Uh, Jason, what do you think? Would they carry three? Yeah. So a uh, couple things on the Patriots. Then I I always like to bring to light the things aren't people talk about. I think Kyle and I are on the same page about offensive line. Isaiah Wynn, the kid out of Georgia, first-round pick two years ago, is back and healthy. Absolutely love his game and getting back with what Brady needs, an athletic guy. A little undersized for a left tackle, but I think in that offense, today's NFL left tackle isn't as important as what you know people considered in the past. Um, you know, Shaq Mason back there. On the quarterback front, I absolutely love the fact that they took Jared Stidham. He was a kid out of Baylor transfer around, ended up in Auburn through all that controversy with Baylor. He's looked fantastic in camp with them. And from if you do a little bit of reading from, you know, some beat writers, it seems like Tom is being a little bit more open with him as well as Brian Hoyer and two great guys to learn behind and how to, you know, move around in the NFL. So I think Stidham will carry on. Danny Atling, a kid they took, I believe, two years ago on LSU, just – not there, Not but there. I'm a firm believer. Always draft a quarterback every year. You never know what you can get. So right. I, I do think we'll see Stidham make the roster because from my understanding, he Bill is a pretty big fan of his. Yeah. Um, and he looked I mean, I know it's the preseason, but you do have to still perform well to make a team. So right. he's doing what he needs to do. I love the Nikhil Harry, big ASU fan, seeing him there. I, the Patriots did everything you'd want them to do in the offseason, and I think Isaiah Wynn coming back is just going to make that offense better. The biggest yeah, thing I'll say... going to be a lot more protected, absolutely. The biggest thing I'll say that you guys will notice a difference and be looking for this is they have greatly improved their pass rush, and they have gotten a lot younger on the defensive side of the ball, and people like Van Noy and all those guys, Hightower, great signal caller... They're going to have right. a hell of a year defensively. I mean, I think it's safe to say they just won a Super Bowl off their defense. I mean, well, what the Patriots have always liked to do is be able to throw their corners on an island. Right. So they can bring a little bit more pressure, be a little bit more adapt with the offense. And I, I, I don't like Michael Bennett as a person. I think he's <laughs> that's another day. Yep. Um, 
and I'll keep my views maybe private on that, but he certainly is a pass rusher that in this system for the Patriots playing two downs, you know, two out of three downs, it's going to make a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Deontay Hightower, to your point, him coming back healthy will be nice. He's been banged up in the past, but he is the head of that defense. Signal caller, and uh, when he's been banged up, Kyle Van Noy has been great. But, uh, again, another under-the-radar, Jamie Collins coming back. I mean, he's had a great career when he's been with the Patriots, had a few floating around years there with Cleveland. But you talk about depth and, you know, the NFL and building through – Knowing injuries are going to come when you got a guy like Jamie Collins to be able to step in and knows that defense. I think you, it's a lot to like. To your point on this on this side with uh, Stephen Gilmore, Jason McCourty, Patrick Chung coming back and healthy. I mean, there's just a lot to like when you're looking at both sides of the ball. Awesome. What other big notes do we have in the AFC East? Um, I'm I'm very interested in watching what's going on in the Dolphins. I love Josh Rosen, but if you watch this game. Rosen is a fine quarterback, but just like in Arizona, he had no offensive line with Miami, for goodness sake. So, feel bad for the kid. I hope they figure it out, but that's going to be a rough one. Probably won't. Yeah, Miami's going to be probably the ugliest season of any NFL team. I mean, I think Vegas has them at four wins, not even four and a half. I think it's just four straight up. Yeah, four straight up. Maybe four and a half. That is terrible. And you know what? I wouldn't touch it. If anything, I'd maybe go under because Fitzpatrick's probably going to start the year and – have some crazy, you know, 300-yard, four TD, four interception games. And Rosen come, is going to come in. I just don't – I don't see a, any positives happening there because they don't have the weapons around them either, and they don't really have the defense to start, you know, to get stops for them. So it's going to be a lot of three and outs or maybe one first down, and then we punt, and then our defense is on the field for six minutes. And it's going to be a long season. And I'll tell you one thing about them. I – I've seen a lot of Brian Flores, but I don't know if he's going to be able to control that thing or not. I really don't. Kind of looks like and a deer in the headlight a little bit in some of these. Uh, some of these. In- yeah, he definitely does. So I think we agree, Patriots across the board. We're yep. we're all pretty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Could not be more confident in any division. Agreed. Well, moving from there, J Mac, we have and Kyle, we got AFC North, Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati. I'd say obviously the headlines are going to Cleveland. Um, I mean, I'll start with you, Kyle. Are you buying into what Cleveland's selling with a first year head coach and Odell? What's your thoughts? Everything in me does not want to buy into this, but yes, I am. And and I don't I don't want to make too much out of the preseason, but they look great in the preseason game as well. Uh, I've been on board with the Baker thing. I thought Baker was going to be great. I think Odell's going to stay healthy. I think he's going to do fantastic. What I'm really more bought in on this team, I'm, the head coaching does concern me, but the defense I really do believe in, and it started to come around last year. And you got some pretty weak offensive teams in this division. So mm-hmm. I, I'm buying what Cleveland's selling. I actually have them winning this division. This is my my prediction is, the, is Cleveland is in this. It came down to – uh, them or Pittsburgh for me, and we'll get to it. I, don't, I just don't trust Baltimore's offense, but I have Cleveland winning this division. Um, I'm I'm totally believing in them, especially because you get Kareem Hunt back on the second half as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely agree. The offense is certainly easy to buy into with Odell. I'm a big Freddie Kitchens fan. I mean, certainly a great offense of mine. To your point, what can he do, though, as a head coach? Um, the offense is easy to look at, and you know, with the two-headed monster of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt after eight games, that's going to be interesting. My only concern on defense is going to be the linebacker position and how they can play in coverage because I Pretty think weak. Miles Garrett, 
Olivier Vernon, who they brought in via trade. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, great signing, too. Another lineman get, getting brought in, very underrated. I feel like didn't have his best years in Minnesota, but certainly coming in strong. You got a uh, lot of downhill guys, though. Yeah, exactly. And so them. I think it's going to be interesting if they get into those situations of how their linebackers play in coverage. And right. you know, Denzel Ward, fantastic shutdown corner. Yes. I like Demarius Randall at free safety, certainly very serviceable. But that's my only issue is if you do get banged up, let's say Miles Garrett does go down. I mean, Vernon's getting a little older. I mean, it doesn't seem like a team with a lot of depth. And sometimes – well, you see these guys who are pieced together in the offseason and get a lot of noise. It just takes one injury to kind of throw them all off. So Very true. Uh, I don't I, understand I, how you don't have depth after you won one game in three years. Like how, how does well, a lot of that a lot of that depth went on to the offensive side of the ball in the pass rush? Because yeah, the pass rush true. is fantastic. Yep. You're gonna have a hole somewhere in the NFL, most likely. It's just how the nature of it. And I'm comfortable, I guess, with that hole. Um, also, because if you're looking at coverage in that division, and I don't want to make it about just the division. I mean, it's six to 16 games, but A.J. Green's out. Antonio Brown's gone. You New know, coach. Who's the, best, who's the best receiver on the uh, – You got uh, Juju still. Yeah, got Juju, but on the Ravens, it's like Crabtree. I mean, you just, it's not a strong division. You got some decent tight ends in the division, but I think they can get away with that, even though I, I agree that's a huge hole. I think that offense, though, if they get into shootout situations, we're going to see Baker turn that into OU 2.0, man. I think they can win a lot of 38-35 games. The biggest test is going to end up being if they end up losing like three straight. Because then you're going to start to have this weird, volatile mix between Baker and Odell. And I I don't know if that's good or not. I agree. I think that could be toxic because I think they're two emotional and outspoken guys. I think they need to get on the same page and Baker needs to take leadership, which I think can happen. I'm a little suspect on it. But another big piece of this that we haven't talked about is, is Jarvis Landry going to be really efficient, Jarvis Landry? Is he going to be healthy yeah. in the slot, ready to get 120 targets to take some pressure off of Odell? Right. And is Njoku going to step up? Because guys like that are going to need to step up and take some pressure. Because Odell is going to draw doubles. Because if you single him all day, it's going to be – Teams aren't going to do that. They're smarter than that. So these other guys are going to have to step up and make plays. And then aside from Chubb and uh, and Hunt, who else? Do they have Hyde on their depth chart? No, Hyde's gone. Hyde's and they, gone traded, okay. they traded Duke Johnson. So they it's, traded Duke. I mean, okay, so it's a little slimmer there. That was a great yeah, trade I guess for Houston. Maybe the first eight games, but in, I but just want to make sure. We, that's a one-two punch. That's a hell of a one-two punch when he comes back. Yeah. And at least on the Ravens front, just so our listeners know, Crabtree is currently a free agent. He was there last year. No, he just, just signed so we, somewhere. Hold on. I just saw that. Keep, keep no, going. But. Well, he was going to go to Arizona, but they couldn't work that out. Oh, okay. So, I didn't see that they yeah. couldn't get it worked out. So you're looking with, you know, Baltimore is interesting just from the Lamar Jackson front of a guy who could possibly rush for 1,000 yards from the quarterback position. You know, you certainly like what they've done with the tight end position. Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, two draft picks. Nick Boyle, a lot of depth there. Marshall Yonda is finally back and healthy. Fantastic guard. Uh, but, you know, Willie C., they've run in Hollywood Brown from OU, a terrific guy in the slot. I think that's going to work out great. I like what we've seen out of Chris Moore. It, it kind of feels like with Baltimore, it's going to be one of those. It's like in baseball when you have six outfielders on your roster and you're just yeah. asking one to step up. Right. You know, you're like, we just like, need someone to show us something. Yeah, we don't know what Isn't to do with this Isn't that what the Cowboys guy. did last year? Yeah, yeah. basically, like, <laughs> hey, we're going to just draft guys and sign them, and we're going to cut you if you don't work, but someone's got to show us. And 
I mean, you know what Willie Sneed is. You know, a lot of great years there in New Orleans as a you know third or fourth guy. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, so I, I like the Hollywood Brown because I think when you're doing a lot of misdirections, play actions with Lamar, you know, having that speed will help him out. And and again, Mark Andrews, another OU kid, yep. they have at tight end, big target. So I, I think from the standpoint of Baltimore has built a team around Lamar Jackson and brought in Mark Ingram, a guy who's, you know, head first downhill runner, you have to like at least that the pieces are there for this team to be successful. Who knows if it will work? But you can't doubt that, hey, at least the guys are in place for this team to be successful. I like them I as a dark horse, a, actually. Yeah, I think it's a decent dark horse, but I just think it's a recipe for mediocrity with because I think Lamar Jackson's top end is just not where it needs to be. I trust – and I guess the reason I would pick Cleveland over Baltimore to win this division would be I trust Baker over Lamar that much more regardless of pieces around him. Um, they're just different types of players. Cincinnati, obviously, we can kind of write off. AJ Green injury doesn't help that, but even with that in the mix, I, I don't see them being a threat. Although I think, I think Joe Mixon's a hell of a player that's going to get have some great statistics, but I just don't see them doing much. And Pittsburgh is really, really hard to judge with AB and Le'Veon gone. Yeah. Um, and I think Juju is a true number one. We'll we'll get to see a test of that this year. But Ben is aging. Um, and the defense is just not what it has been really what we've grown to expect the last, you know, 12 to 15 years. See, and I'll politely disagree with you. I, the Steelers are going to be my pick to win that division. Okay. I think having both those guys gone is great. It's going to help open that up. Juju's fantastic. I, I certainly do respect James Conner and his game. I think he's almost underdrafted even being a first-rounder. I mean, I'd put him in the top five for running backs. Um, and on the defense side, I just again, I think there no one's talking about them because everyone's talking about Cleveland, which is great. My favorite player in the draft that they brought in, Devin Bush at middle linebacker. And Big when you're playing a three-four defense, yeah. you need that. And you know, Cameron Hayward's been you know certainly fantastic guy up front for them. T.J. Watt on the outside. When you're talking about T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, Devin Bush up the middle, it's a lot to deal with. And you know, Joe Hayden's kind of brought his game back a little bit, but this defense in the back half of last year looked really solid to me. So I am completely fine with no one talking about them and everyone being a little bit down on them because I think that's what they need almost get out of the headlines. They've got rid of the distractions. So I, my pick for the division is going Steelers and I'm glad we're disagreeing a little bit so we can change it up. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Browns actually on this too, but I think it's a longer shot. Dark horse is going to say, it's going to say Baltimore. Dude, real quick, Devin Bush, 234 pounds, ran a 4.43 on the laser and has a 41-inch vertical. Pretty Dude, freaking athletic. Man. That guy's going to be good, man. That's that's a Steelers linebacker pick. Steelers linebacker that's a modern linebacker, sideline-to-sideline yeah. side guy who can so coverage. Good. and it, uh, I love him. I love yeah. him. So, I like that um, too. so we got that division. We're moving to the AFC South. Maybe not sexy teams. We got Tennessee, Indianapolis, Houston and Jacksonville. Um, any quick thoughts on these four teams? I think Houston won that Duke Johnson trade big time. Agreed. That's a huge trade. I, I also, I think it compliments Miller well too. Um, I think this division is in this, I think I'm in the minority here is actually probably the most competitive for better or worse. Not saying they're the best teams, the most competitive of the AFC divisions. I could see any, uh, I have a hard time seeing seeing Tennessee winning the division, but I think I could see all four teams potentially winning the division. I'm not on as high on Indy as most teams, uh, most people are. I think they're a good team, but I do not trust Andrew Luck to stay healthy. 
for more than one year. Yeah, but he didn't have any kind of line whatsoever his first few li- for few years there. So, I mean, now that they've built something there that's actually decent, I, I, I think this could be a resurgence year for him a little bit. MVP, yeah. Dark Horse MVP candidate? Kind of thing, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big Colts fan. I mean, from a couple of fronts, Chris Ballard, I think, is one of the top GMs in the league, so I, like, I love that. Frank Wright's a terrific head coach. I think he's a little underappreciated, which, again, is, is fine. You, you need guys to do that. But, you know, you got Paris Campbell, who came in at the wide receiver position. I think he's going to really help T.Y. Hilton. And uh, Devin Funch is coming over from Carolina. You know, he's shown flashes. Just got to get him concentrated. Uh, Jack Doyle back at being healthy is going to be a dual tight end with Eric Ebron. And J-Mac, to your point, I think now one of the best offense lines with just their center and left side alone, Anthony Costanzo, Quinton Nelson, who's a road grader, Ryan Kelly, if he can stay healthy. But, yeah, well, Luck's got a little calf issue, not a big deal, but you know, Marlon Mack certainly showed his skills last year. And Akeem Hines out of the backfield is kind of that web back that we see in today's NFL. I, there's a lot to like, at least on the offensive side of the ball. And on the defense side, they did, you know, a, a huge deal, which we saw a lot of, you know, DNs getting moved around. Justin Houston comes into this team and really gives them that pass rush they didn't have last year. Uh, so think, that's going to help take. Hooker's one of the best center fielders in the league too, man. Yep. They got, they got a good team. Yeah. But. So Vegas has them at 10 wins. Kyle, you take the under? I would definitely take the under on that. Well, I wouldn't take the over on it, but I think that's just about right. Yeah, I mean, because you take the over, I mean, they go 10 and 6, you you don't even win. It's like, man, 11 and 5 is going to be tough. And I think those are going to be – it's going to be a pretty gritty division. There's some good defenses in that division. I think that would be a tough tough over on that. And I'll tell you – so you guys both have the Colts, uh, I guess, winning that division. I think that's by far the – around the league I do. yeah i have the colts and just for the standpoint for houston side i do like a lot of what you guys mentioned but anytime a team goes from having one of the easier schedules in the nfl to now a first place schedule i think that's not really talked about and they're not yeah, going to face no, that's them. a big deal though right and so i think that's going to kind of hit them in the head and you know they have matt khalil right now at left tackle which is not a recipe for <laughs> success when you have a you know star quarterback then Chantrell henderson at right tackle and for those of you who don't know, you know, number one kid out of high school, committed to committed to Miami, would never show up, got cut from Miami, went to USC because they gave him a record deal, and they hired his dad as like a gym coach. Um, seventh round to Buffalo. I mean, he had every, you know, the size, the strength, has everything, but the guy can't get out of his own way. So there's a lot of question marks to me on that, and they may be someone who you know trades with Washington to bring in their left tackle. Uh, you know, it's been talked about, but. I don't know. Houston to me just feels like they're just a touch away, at least on the offensive line. But I do like Kiki Kute. Love to see his game step up. I think the offense will be exciting to watch, but I just the offensive line worries me. The offensive line is a huge deal. And that, so Houston is going to be my, my prediction for the AFC South. Um, I say it with some apprehension because I, I think Indy overall is the better team. I love Deshaun Watson, though. I just believe in him as a winner yep. and seeing what he did in Clemson in those big games. Uh, but I also – DeAndre Hopkins, he's the best receiver in the NFL. I mean, I know that's crazy because Julio's a, more of a freak athlete. OBJ is more explosive. Antonio Brown's a better route runner. DeAndre Hopkins has never missed a game in his NFL career. That dude doesn't drop balls, and he put up numbers with freaking Hoyer and Matt Schaub and just keeps his mouth shut. He's my favorite player uh, at that position. And I love this defense. I love every guy on this defense. I love J.J. Watt. I love – 
uh, Jadavian Clowney, and probably the most underrated defensive player in the league because he plays with those guys is Merciless. And mm-hmm. I just love what these guys do on the defensive side. Um, looking at their schedule, though, Jason, making me a little ne- more nervous about my pick because uh, they are <laughs> they got to go. I mean, dude, they got to play at Green. Uh, no, excuse me, that was a, that was preseason. They got to go at New Orleans. They got to go at Kansas City, at Chargers. I mean, at Colts, obviously, is the division. At the Ravens, they have to play New England. I mean, that's not it's not a cakewalk schedule, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pick them to get it done. And there's a little bit of personal bias in there for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, good. J Mac, you're settled on the Colts with with me. Yes, I am. I think okay. overall, I, I think to every point you guys made is interesting. The only other note I have in this division is I'm really interested to see how Nick Foles does in Jacksonville. I was going to say, what do we think about Nick Foles? I think that's an improvement from Blake Bortles. It has to be. It's got to be. It can't be worse, but be man, worse. not have the weapons that he did in Philly or the offensive mind calling plays. So that's my only my only concern is I'm just I'm not sure Nick Foles behind that offensive line with limited weapons is going to look like the Nick Foles that we saw in Philly, which but, uh, that's just tough. But, hey, they gave him a lot of money. They got Leonard Fournette. We'll, was, we'll see what they can do. But that's, say, If you're playing in a standard league, go Leonard Fournette. That guy is getting a lot of touches this year. Yeah. yeah. But that's the confusing uh, thing about Nick Foles, and it's always been, is that he's seemingly always successful with the Eagles, and they seemingly want to piss on his face at any given turn. So I just never really understand that. And you win so, Super Bowls. You take him to playoffs. He magically can make kickers miss kicks. I mean, the dude the just has magic gushing from him <laughs> in Cut the him. city of Philly only wants the Red Rocket. I don't I'm know. But, hey, if they're, so, if they're saying, hey, we'll give you $12 million and so you can move from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and come live in Florida, I'd, I'd be on board. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so Vegas has them at eight wins. I think that's that's higher really? than I expected. Yeah. I, no, Jacksonville. You're talking Jacksonville. Yeah, I'm sorry. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's higher than I would expect, yeah. I'd probably go under. But that yeah, deep- I mean, that just feel. I don't see them winning over eight. But if they went eight and eight, that that wouldn't shock me. And that'd be a step no. forward for them. Do you think uh, Jalen Ramsey reestablished himself as the best corner this year? Have you been hearing some of the stuff he's saying about you know, hey, I was I was being a loudmouth, a smartass, a punk. I like him it just helps. coming out and owning that because that dude has the talent, and I think he will be the best corner in the league this year. Yeah, and that's the guy I wish the Cowboys took in that draft over Zeke. Over Zeke. I mean, it- just that again it's a generational guy that doesn't hit the free agent market i, I would rather a, have had him that's a historic top of the draft because we were like should we go ramsey zeke or bosa and it's like you could have just nailed any of those picks really as far as just player production right. it was one of those drafts you look back on and go any gm with a dartboard could have been <laughs> exactly in the first round at least well yeah. We got. We'll wrap up the AFC. We'll move through to our last AFC division in the West, which I'd probably argue is one that has the most talking points and excitement. Kansas City, you know, reigning there, followed by the Chargers, Denver, and Oakland. I know we've talked a lot of Oakland, but uh, Kyle, are you firm believers in KC repeating, or what are you seeing out of KC? Yeah, I'm. I'm a big Mahomes guy. Obviously, I do think there's going to be a quote-unquote sophomore slump here. Um, he might not go 50 and 10, guys. If he goes, you know, 48 touchdowns and 13 interceptions, that's okay. He'll still probably win MVP. Pretty fucking good year. I do trust uh, Kansas City to. I think they'll win about 11 games this year. I don't think they're going to, you know, win 13 or 14. I had a hard time. I wanted to go Chargers just to kind of switch it up here, but I ultimately settled on Kansas City. I think the Chargers have a hell of a roster. I just trust Mahomes more than Phillip Rivers, but Phillip Rivers just hasn't got it done. And uh, I think a lot of 
pressure on Kansas City and there's going to be a lot of, you know, eyes on them as the kind of golden state of the NFL. And I think Mahomes likes that. I think he's going to own it. And I think Tyreek Hill is going to come out and ball out. Doesn't matter who's in their running back spot as long as they can catch out of the backfield. I think they'll be fine. You know what you're getting out of Travis Kelsey. Um, but the defense is a concern. I'll say that. I think the defense is below par. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I like a lot of what Kansas City did. I, I think to your point, J-Mac and I always talk about this from year to year. In the NFL, you get adjusted to. Anything you did last year probably right. isn't going to work again. You have to stay ahead of the game. So I think there will be an adjustment to Mahomes' game and Andy Reid. I'd say, actually, the thing I'm most excited about is the Kansas City defense. They've done a couple things that folks probably aren't too aware of. They've switched from the 3-4 to the 4-3. Correct. They brought in Steve Spagnola, who took some time off from coaching, which I think can be good to kind of get refreshed. They brought in Frank Clark from Seattle, who is probably one of the more underrated and appreciated pass rushers in this game. And they certainly have a linebacking core that are a bunch of former Cowboys that can run run this 4-3 defense. Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson were two guys who are trying to be run in a different defense than they were ever used to and looked awful last year. So yeah, those guys can a, go sideline to sideline, though. Exactly. Sure. So now you've put guys back into a position where they're comfortable and can be successful at. You still have Chris Jones there. You know, the secondary, I would say, is certainly still a concern. Tyrone Matthew coming in, though, can play that center field role. I was about role. to say, and you know Peters is going to have a better season because he had a really bad season last year. It was rough. Marcus Peters. So I guess he, well, he, he moved over to uh, to uh, L.A. But Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, but no, but their secondary got torched a lot last year. And the, I, I was confused. I was thinking the L.A. game last year, you saw how torched they got. So they had to, they had to address something and go get – uh, a honey badger type of player because they just can't have games where they get 50 points scored on them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, from the standpoint of this is such an Andy Reid look of a team. I mean, even in his time in Philly, always had great offenses. That's what he can do. He's an offensive coordinator that gets paid to be a head coach because he is such a good offensive coordinator, but he has no idea how to manage in game. He is horrendous at in game management or in game adjustments. And that's always been his downfall. So, why bill belichick always beats him that's always the issue but i think bringing in a former head coach like steve spagnola to run this defense putting guys back into positions exciting um so i mean it, it's easy to see why folks are getting behind this team and a healthy sammy watkins too i mean that's a big signing from two years ago now him being back and healthy can really help stretch that field with uh, travis kelsey and tyreek hill i'm fascinated yep, to see so there's several things in this division i'm fascinated by it's like top to bottom overall. So I'm definitely excited to see about this this sophomore slump with Kansas City and Mahomes, right? I'm fascinated to see how terrible Flacco is going to be in Denver. <laughs> That's going to be a nightmare. I'm so, like the most anti-Flacco guy on the planet. I fucking hate Joe Flacco. Well, he's elite. He won a Super Bowl, didn't you? Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, Trendel of course. Too, baby. Oh, Look, I, I'm probably higher on Denver than most. You know, Vic Vangio coming into the head coach will certainly reestablish that defense. Um, I will say, and this may be bad because I know we have listeners that I'm in fantasy football le leagues, Deshaun Hamilton out of Penn State is going to be a freak for yep. this offense. And uh, you can just call him Bayshon right now because he's just <laughs> a total bay. But That's right. Emmanuel Sanders, you know, I'm not – he's been banged up. I don't really see him coming back as healthy as you'd want but Cortland Sutton could out of SMU first round pick you know you always have to see these guys take a year to adjust for wide receivers sometimes 
So I wasn't shocked him coming from SMU, not playing top competition. But, you know, these are receivers that Flacco can throw the whole field. So when you got guys who can stretch it like this, I like the offense. Um, I don't think they're going to compete or be in there. But on a on the offensive line side, one of my favorite draft picks, Dalton Reisner out of Kansas City or Kansas State, huge road grader there. I got it left guard. Ron Leary, former Cowboy. And they certainly got some stability there. And, you know, Philip Lindsay and at the running back position. But, again, the guy I know everyone talked about last year, but no one's talking about this year, Royce Freeman, the running back out of Oregon from two years ago, has kind of flopped out. and slept Lin- on. Yeah. Exactly. And then they brought in Theo Riddick, too. So, I, I don't know. There seems to be a lot of weapons that Flacco can use. I'm just – I'm more intrigued. I'm with you. I don't, I don't know if it will work, but I'm intrigued. And they always have the great home field advantage as well, too. So that that always is going to account for yep. something. You still have, you know, Von Miller getting after the quarterback. You still have Chris Harris back there. You have some of those uh, vets that were on those champ, uh, Super Bowl teams. And Bradley Chubb. Love yep. him. Yeah. Oh, God. That's, that might be the best pass rushing duo in the league. Yeah. Uh, another guy I'm excited about that I, that I saw on SportsCenter yesterday, I started doing a little research on him, was Hardman from uh, – He's a rookie from Georgia that's on Kansas City. He had a rushing touchdown on a, on a little end around. Mm-hmm. Man, this guy, so he actually had a faster 40 than Tyreek Hill. So, I mean, we're talking about some wow. serious speed. That Yeah, he ran a 4-3-1 at the combine on the laser. He's only 185 pounds, but if you can't catch him, it doesn't really matter. Uh, right. We're talking about two, you know, sub-4, you know, low 4-3 guys on the field together. That's going to give Mahomes a lot of flexibility because what that does for you is when you have that kind of speed on the outside, you have to think about Travis Kelsey in the middle. One, I don't care if he's a safety or a linebacker, he's eaten. You got to double that. Yeah. And Mahomes, you have to respect you know, his footwork and his ability to get out of the pocket. So I just think it brings a lot of pressure to defenses, but I don't know. Are you guys are you guys with me on Kansas City, or is anyone going to lean towards the Chargers? Oh no, Kansas City is definitely going to win this division. I, I okay. never believe in the fucking Chargers. They seem to stumble all over themselves constantly. Yeah, I love Philip Rivers. I would pick this team in a heartbeat if anyone but Anthony Lynn right. was coaching them. Correct. I, I don't understand how he has a job, and I feel bad. But you know, I love Keenan Allen. Hunter Henry coming back again is a guy that's not getting attention. Um, they obviously have kind of a same situation as Zeke, though, with yeah, Melvin with Gordon, Gordon yeah. uh, holding out. So then you got Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, the running back out of Northwestern. Um, Eckler was pretty stepped up in some moments last year, though, as kind of a scat back. Yeah, I mean, and he's that guy that just fits today's NFL, 10 Correct. to 15. Yeah. He's not a bell cow, but no. he's good for 10 to 15. Poor man's Kamara. Poor man's Kamara. Correct. Right, exactly. And that defense with Bosa, I mean, I certainly love their defense side of the ball. Dude, if they stay um, they, healthy, man, they're, they're a top 5D, I think. Yeah, last year they had a lot of issues. Uh, one of my more favorite players on that team, and now I'm drawing a blank on the defensive side. They took him two years ago at the safety position. I'll get it as soon as someone else says it. Um, uh, oh, uh, oh, Derwin James. Derwin James, yeah. yeah. Huge, huge, you know, plus for them. So if he can stay healthy, if Denzel Perriman can stay healthy as well. I like the Thomas Davis signing for them. Um, yep. Just a veteran guy playing with now Melvin Ingram, who's, you know, up there as well. So, I, again, great pass rush. And they, they have a team. It's almost built to contend with Kansas City because they can rush four and get pressure. And they have safety who can play center field against Mahomes. Yeah. Yep. It's a good and point. They got some big, 
body wide receivers on in Kansas City as small corners. I was just looking at their size, but yep. yeah, I'm with you. I would take I'm taking Kansas City, but I would I think the Chargers are maybe the second best team in the conference. Oh, do they? Do, yeah. Does anyone have their schedule up? Do they by chance play Kansas City and the Chargers? Do they play the last game of the year? Because that's that usually how be, that ends up. Yes, they do in Kansas City. Moly. So yeah. I'm t- I'm going to say right now. We're gonna that's have gonna two eleven it. and five teams. Yeah. Yep. Or is that nope? Eleven and <laughs> eleven. Eleven and four. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Four yeah. teams. They're gonna be going at it, and we're. I'm taking the Chargers. You guys are taking the Chiefs. All right. We'll be battling back and forth all game. We'll be. We'll, like we'll watch that game all together. That's the, already our commitment. I can tell you that right now. There I like go. this because me and Jason only agreed on the Patriots, which I think anyone that knows anything about football would have picked that as well, yeah. but I both made pretty good cases and I like his picks as, as well. So it'll be fun. Absolutely. Well, Kyle, thanks for coming on, man. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up. We want to remind everyone, Hey, please give us a call. We want to hear you guys thoughts on what we're talking about, what you guys want to talk about, everything in between that number to remind everyone is 972-885-9361. We want to remind you guys to follow us on social media. That's at sensibly loud on twitter and on instagram on facebook sensibly loud media and make sure to check out the website that is www.sensiblyloud.com and we will be back here in a couple of days with the nfc side of things and we'll, we'll see you boys then right oh my bad <laughs> <laughs>